It's a gray morning in early March. I'm curled up by the window inside my cabin in McCarthy, Alaska. Miles and miles from a grocery store or a restaurant or many other markers of modern American life. Across the room, the wood stove pumps. We've had the coldest winter since I first moved here five years ago. Some community members who've been here far longer said they hadn't seen those kinds of sustained cold temperatures in a long time. It's been refreshing, especially after a really hot summer that felt a lot like climate change in action. It was scary. Wildfires hit places in Alaska that are usually soaked in rain. Things here felt on edge like they might explode at any moment. Outside the cabin, tiny snow flurries dot the air. A couple feet of packed snow covers the forest floor. But the spruce trees stand naked. A reminder that things aren't exactly back to normal. The trees shed the snow from their branches a few weeks ago after a warm spell. The river broke too. The glacier's been doing that the last few years, letting go of a rush of water in the middle of winter. The frozen rivers are no longer reliable highways, which can spell trouble for subsistence activities and all kinds of other stuff. Things are changing all over Alaska. And that means good and bad things for all kinds of industries, including agriculture. Here's Mike Emmers, who's been farming outside Fairbanks since 1997. Yeah, it's a big gamble farming, but it's gotten less so with the changing climate. You're listening to Out Here, a podcast about life in rural Alaska. On season two, agriculture in Alaska, and what climate change could mean for its future. Maybe... You didn't even know growing things was a thing here. Well, you're about to meet some of the innovative people making that work. I like a challenge. Alaska has many challenges. My stubbornness kicked in. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to make things grow here. One of the biggest problems is that there's a lack of infrastructure and a lack of access. If you're looking to buy a piece of property more than a half an acre at a time, good luck. I looked and looked and looked to try to find something that somebody else wasn't doing. Growing here is so much more about just doing it. Like, try everything and keep trying everything, even when people tell you you can't do that here. There's no such thing as a dumb farmer. My goal is to um, provide a service for my community and to make my people better. I like providing good food for people to eat. Yeah, that's the short answer. I've spent the morning planting herbs and lettuce mixes, precious greenery that can hang in a south-facing window until the weather warms. 
Growing here is no easy task. To make space for gardening, most people have to clear their own land and mix their own soil. I have no earthworms, no garden supply store, no tap to turn to water the garden in a mercilessly hot and dry July. And I'm just doing it for myself. What if you're chasing a farming dream in Alaska? That somewhat romantic notion that we can work the land locally and provide food for our community instead of using massive amounts of energy acquiring food from faraway places. In Alaska, that means investing time and money into a business venture that's risky in places with better infrastructure and a more hospitable climate. Starting out can be a bit nerve-wracking, says Sally Boisvert, who farms outside the southeast Alaska town of Haines. The challenge was at first thinking, oh my gosh, I've done all this work clearing this land. Will anyone want any vegetables? And then there's the knowledge. I didn't grow up with a big vegetable patch in the backyard, and I didn't grow up in Alaska. It's been a steep learning curve, particularly without all the proper systems in place. Yes, the long summer days can mean giant heads of cabbage and a fast turnover for certain vegetables. But Alaska's growing season is also short and full of unpredictable and extreme weather patterns. That's something that only seems to be getting worse in recent years, says farmer Tinley Nelson, who lives about 50 miles down the road from me. I think it's the unstableness of the weather that's the most frustrating. Too much rain, then no rain at all. Too hot. But despite the challenges, known and unknown, I am not alone in my gardening adventures here. It's almost a given that you have some sort of garden in McCarthy, even if it's just full of greens. There is no big grocery store and no local farmer's market either. Here's Tenley again. You can't buy organic garlic anywhere. You ca- I can't drive anywhere within five hours and get that product. But I can grow it, and then I can share it a little bit. Some places in Alaska are not as far removed from food supply chains. But most food is still coming up on a barge from faraway places. And that leads to something that gets talked about quite a bit in Alaska. Food security. It's something that many of the farmers I talked to brought up. So 95% of our food is flown in, barged in, trucked in. 95, 96% of all of our food. Like 90, 95% comes from outside of Alaska. Our food supply in Alaska, it's only three days worth. So what happens if we have an earthquake? Stuff goes a little south and we're in a bad place up here. You know, that ought to scare people. Alaskans are an independent bunch. Many provide for themselves whenever they can. The Alaskan Native tradition of subsistence is strong. Hunting, fishing, foraging, berry picking. The homesteading tradition is strong too. Raising chickens, growing and canning food, making a weekly loaf of sourdough, that kind of stuff. And then there's the tradition of farming, where people feed themselves and their neighbors. It's never been huge here compared to regions like the Midwest, but it has been persistent. Some farmers even dream of feeding the rest of the country someday. Like Scott Mugridge, a cattle rancher in Delta Junction, the once planned hub of a barley export industry. We may be the breadbasket of the, of the nation someday. With the storm challenges and things going on in the lower 48 anymore, you know, and we very well have the potential to do that here, I think. 
And so I'd like to be on the forefront of that. Welcome to season two of Out Here, a podcast about life in rural Alaska. Here, you'll get some of the complicated story of Alaska agriculture from the perspective of Alaska farmers. It's a story full of failure and innovation, one that defies stereotypes and looks quite a bit different from the monocrop agriculture that dominates the lower 48. We'll fly to the Arctic to meet an Inupiaq woman who's mixing Western agriculture with native traditions. We'll meet an apple grower, a cattle rancher, and a seed grower. And we'll talk about where we've been, where we're going, and what climate change could mean for farming here. Maybe by the end of it, you'll want to plant something too. Stay tuned and stay persistent. For Out Here, I'm Mary McKinstry.